You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 114 of the Real Reading Podcast. You can like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. Uh, I literally have no idea where this week has gone. Um, so if the pod seems a little bit more strung together with tape than usual, you have my apologies. We've still got plenty of stuff to chat about, though, including the week's headlines, plus Indie Corner, and we're talking to Laura from new Berkshire food blog, Bark and Bite, uh, and she is our guest interviewee. Um, how are you guys? Have you had as fast a week as me? It is, yeah, it's a busy one this week. Just, I like that bark and bite. Sounds That's, good. It's a good name. Yeah, it's, it's it's very good. She's um, what what's nice about her food blog is that she talks about food, which is always a, a plus when you're blogging about food. Mm. Um, you Should know. we point out that the bark is in is as in Berkshire? Oh, I hope that people were smart enough to already get that. Well, I don't know whether you would unless it was in front of you, but that might just be my like, simplistic head. Should I have Sorry. pronounced it Birkenbite? No, because then it wouldn't work. No. <laughs> Sorry, um, as you were. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh, you've been outside shoveling. What have you been shoveling? Uh, we've been compost this morning. Oh, lovely. Moving a pushing a pallet of compost, which is always a always always a nice little fun exercise that requires. A bit of good old-fashioned brute force. I'll be entirely honest. You've now got new headphones, and you sound much better. You haven't got the the microphone scrabbling all over your jumper like you normally do. It's great. Well, excellent. People will be able to hear my various quips even in even more clarity. Yes, providing the internet stays up. Um, all right. Well, first up, here's Indie Corner. Hey everyone, uh, I am with the familiar voice of Becky Stevens from Reading's Indie Market. Um, Becky, you've got two minutes to chat about Reading's Indie Market on Indie Corner. So Reading's Indie Market is normally a face-to-face contemporary maker's market. Um, before 2020, we were kind of based out of Double Barrel's Taproom, um, which they very kindly hosted us. Um, but this weekend we're going online. Um, So from Saturday morning at 10am, we'll be launching a directory of around 100 local kind of micro businesses, online businesses, um, and a selection of gift guides as well. So we've selected some of our faves in kind of fashion category, food and drink, kids and homewares. Um, So we're excited to share those with everyone. Um, we'll be kind of hosting the market across Facebook and Instagram. Um, so you can just search for us, Reading's Indie Market, and we should pop up. 
Um, all our makers have been using a very nifty hashtag on Instagram, which is Reading Xmas, R-D-G-X-M-A-S. Um, so they've been sharing all their work um, and they're just generally pretty excited for all the local Christmas shoppers to come and join us tomorrow. Um, normally we do it obviously face to face and it's very exciting. It's normally kind of the highlight of the year for a lot of makers. Um, but we've done what many others have done this year and that's pivot. Um, so hopefully we get the support we normally get at our face to face markets that we love so much. Um, what else do I have to say really? Um, we're yeah we're just good to go we're excited to to get shopping ourselves and get selling becky thank you very much um as with most indie corners who would you recommend for us to speak to next week so i would um like to suggest uh geo cafe if they've not been suggested before no we're that's good that's good fab um and that's mostly because um so we've worked with ketty at the markets before um, but also the um, the cheese bread that they sell is the best thing ever. And I'm about to go and get some from my lunch from Blue Collar. Fantastic. Becky Stevens, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. So, Indie Corner this week was uh, Ren Reading Indie Urban Market, and it's our old friend Becky Stevens. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Give them a shout. Uh, we've got some interesting Indie Corners coming up, uh, and I've also got people contacting me about being on Indie Corner, which is great. So, oh, I may not good. even need to get recommendations each week. So, we'll, we shall see. Um, However, uh, obviously, we've had the Apex Plaza saga, which I like the sound of very much. Um, we do have a bit more on Apex Plaza, but I might just string that along until next week for big fans of uh, elongated, unnecessary sagas. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about and bring to your attention this week, if you haven't already seen it, is... Um, and I'm, I'm using those little single quotation marks, if anybody, not that anybody can see them, but is that Jackson's Corner video. You guys, have you guys seen this oh Jackson's Corner days. video? Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a video that is tried by, by a company called Ashton Hawks. And I'm not sure if they're either a PR or an estate agent or, or a media relations company, something like that. But they're trying to effectively sell the location of Jackson's Corner as a, as a refurbished building to, to sort of, you know, London types to come and move out to Reading. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Shall I, shall I play you guys a little clip? Yeah, why not? Surrounded by the major cities of England, like London, Oxford and Bristol, Reading is a commercial centre in England. The city is ideal in every aspect as it has the second highest salaries after London and has the highest employment rate in England. The city is also ranked as the fastest growing economy of the United Kingdom. For tech professionals as well as finance professionals, the city is a preferred rental location for commuting to London as it is only a 24-minute drive away from London. The city is home to companies like Microsoft and Huawei, and with one of the best rental markets in the UK, it is a preferred place for commuters. For commuters traveling from Reading to Canary Wharf, the second largest CBD of London, the travel time will shrink to one hour by Q3 2020, owing to the Crossrail Elizabeth Line. The city has become a favorite among the finance and banking professionals as the commute to London is relatively short. 
The rental prices are much lower when compared to other cities. Firstly, let, let's look at the positives. It's very nicely put together. There are some lovely visuals and um, it, it really does make Reading uh, look really, really nice, which, you know, I would say the majority of the time it is. However, there are obviously some problems. What, what, what's, what's your major takeaway from, um, from the video? We're not a city. Yeah. We're not a city, correct, for 100 points. And I, I don't know, does that really matter? Does that matter? Uh, it's false advertising, <laughs> but I'm not sure how much difference it makes if you are living here. Uh, but also, the, the last little comment um, about being 24 minutes away from London in the car. <laughs> did, you know, did you notice, though, the, the video says, the text of the video says 24 minutes by train to London, but the woman's voice said 24 minutes drive to London at the same time in the video. So... I don't know if they've, oh. they've got the script wrong, um, because it is about 24, five minutes to London, yes. isn't it? But that's, that, that's only Paddington. Yeah, that's only Paddington of, where? That's West London. There's, you know, yeah. like, so central London is a, is a, is a, you, I mean, you're adding another, with walking from station to tube, you're probably adding another 20, 25 minutes to that, I would think. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, as I say, it looks nice, but... It's also later on in the video. I, I've, I've, I have my own specific critiques of it in that it sounds like a robot voice that someone's got to read a bit of SEO content. The amount of times it says Reading and uh, and the way that it kind of mentions the locations on a regular basis. But it's also uh, got claims. But bear in mind, of course, that the video was um, produced back in April. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it, back in April, it probably did look like Crossrail might be open in Q3 but it's, um, it's certainly not. Uh, <laughs> heaven only knows when that will open. Um, the major it did make thing, Reading look very glossy, though, didn't it? It, it, did, it, it made us look like somewhere you would want to come and live because yeah. it looked, you know. Now, now, personally, a little voiceover from Hugh Fort probably would have made it a little bit more, you know, real. Would have really <laughs> helped with his new headphones. Given it grit. It, yes, proper southern grit. Um this is the I, Meadway precinct. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, I've got I've got this sort of I've got two specific things that that I wanted to just pick up about it. Um, one of them being that it mentions a load of companies: Nokia, Oracle, Cisco, Huawei, um, and it suggests that uh, it's a ten-minute drive to all of those places from Jackson's Corner. Um, somebody within our Facebook group, and if I can just name-check them, I will. Uh, however. Uh, there's every chance that I've now closed the offending Facebook page and now can't find it. I would say, I would say at a general point on this, Tom, that make, making anywhere a 10 minute drive from the middle of Reading <laughs> yes. is a bold claim. It's uh, it's incredibly bold, isn't it? It was, um, ah, where is she? Where is she? It was. I'd like to know where you're keeping your car. Mm. Well, so are, this, um, I was going to say, I wonder how Reading, Reading Borough Council will be. Uh, yes be uh receiving the news that they're encouraging people to try to have it cars was, at this development it was um in fact it was our main man paul etherington who pointed out that jackson's corner has no parking so where you're keeping your car to do this 10 minute drive across london at rush across reading at rush hour uh is is you know open to suggestion but also at the very end um it describes reading um 
as the San Jose to Silicon Valley and Shenzhen is to China. And I get really, really <laughs> uncomfortable when somewhere that I know very well is compared to somewhere I sort of, I've, I've never been, but in my mind is like this fabulous place. It'd be like, I've been to Hong Kong. It'd be like comparing, like saying it was like Hong Kong. Like it's not, it's just a little town outside. I, I just, it makes me feel really uncomfortable when people sort of suggest to others because you're just, you're, you're setting yourself up for a fall straight away. I mean, the three of us all love Reading. We talk about, we're on a podcast about the great things in Reading, but I don't think any of us would be, would go as far as to say it's the San Jose to Silicon Valley or the Shenzhen to China. I mean, I've looked up Shenzhen. It looks quite nice. Um, very, uh, very smart. And uh, in fact, there's a nice picture picture of it in the video itself just to illustrate that and i just i can't i can't reconcile the two it's not very tangible is it no. I mean, how many people have been to those places to go <laughs> oh maybe that's the point like that nice maybe go that's the there point. then yeah maybe to, yeah, make it aspirational yeah i mean clearly it's an aspirational uh, it's an aspirational video but i mean the positives it's got uh, the positives i'd be looking at is um you've got honest burger on the doorstep blue collar food market will be there every <laughs> wednesday and friday um you've got the uh, workhouse coffee across the road um and you know the you, library you, the, the, li the library <laughs> if, you're a shed, big reader. if you fancy popping over to shed cafe shed hugh are you want a retainer with shed to mention them as often as possible yeah, they're in Utopia. I don't get much of Utopia these days. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I thought we'd just uh, we'd just talk about that video. I, I, it had occurred to us we could do an entire podcast on the video, but I think um, I think the, the the opportunity for people in glass houses there um, the next time that that one of us makes a mistake on Berkshire Live uh, is probably too great. So we'll just we'll just leave it at the five minutes we've uh, we've given it. Just to, just to finish, Tom. I I think that people people. Certainly, me. The one of one of the things I really don't like is the kind of pretension. The pretension of it. It's find it very pretentious. Just this thing about calling it a city. Like it's not a city, but we, we want to call it a city because that sounds better, and uh, it makes it sound sort of more corporate and more like you know. Yeah. Got. Um, and and it's not. And uh, people who live here know it's not. And I think there's a general consensus that when people do call it a city, there, there's a bit of bit of bit of sneering and a bit of oh, it's yeah. not these you know no city would have all this rubbish traffic and you know all that <laughs> sort of stuff um i disagree i think every city every, every city has yeah. <laughs> but you know what i mean it's like when you when yeah. you call yourself something you're not to try and sound better that never really goes down very well yeah. does it no no exactly and i, th I think uh, i think i think particularly reading has worked very hard there's lots of people around reading who've worked very hard to kind of give it a more Sort of to sort of normalise it and make it make it better without making it sound pretentious and um, and I don't like that. So okay, shall we? Uh, oh, uh, what have we got? I've, I've completely almost forgotten to tell people about Jeremy. Um, we wanted to know if you've seen the video, any comments on the video, um, and we're also looking for your Reading urban myths, um, which we'd lo we'd love to hear about. If there's any urban myths you want us to to get deep into and and, and ask questions about, um, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod. 
and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. We are going to just move straight into the headlines this week. Um, Huey, uh, we've got, you've gone and had a look inside a converted Victorian water tower, which is on right move for 1.25 million and has incredible views in Reading. Tell us about it. Where is it? It's in Tolhurst. And I'd just like to point out that I haven't actually been there. Um, oh. No, it's a it's a it's a uh, story we did from uh, from with with working alongside Right Move. Um, it's been on sale before. It's a uh, it's very very uh, spectacular circular circular building in Tilehurst, um, red brick, old style um, water tower, Victorian era, and it has been converted into some six uh, six yeah six flats including a penthouse um and it's now on sale for one point some 1.25 million and um so if you were to have that much money to hand and you wanted to become a, a sort of landlord um in charge of these six flats then that's what um that's what the uh is hoped to happen but it's um it's quite an unusual conver- uh conversion there um with a lot of history behind it and it's quite kind of quite sort of quirky and fun yeah. and quite a cool place to live probably and and it's on the market now 1.25 million which is works out six flats what's that about 200 200 odd grand each it's not it's not too it's bad for Reading, that's pretty good, isn't it? yeah i'm always curious what people do with these circular walls um just looking inside it they, they look to have straightened a lot of the walls but i guess or flattened a lot of the walls but that obviously you lose a bit of space then and just circular walls there's no furniture isn't circular it's square or yeah, rectangular. Poster. <laughs> yeah, a poster you a really big poster going all the way around one of those old oh yes things you used to have with, when you were a kid which went all the way around the top of the room come on yeah cool Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be quite cool. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, I've never, I've, been, I've, I've driven up and around Tyler's a lot, and I've never spotted this place. So it, I was quite surprised when you uh, when you flagged it to us. Yeah, it's in uh, Sona Gardens, S O N A yeah. Gardens in Tyler's. I, I don't quite know where it is either. But um, I think... do. I Rachel saw it does. the other. Yeah, I saw it the other night. Um... So I'm just going to make sure that I get the road names right. So it's if you go up the hill from the Portman Road roundabout, uh, which is the Norcott Road, yeah, I believe. Um, and then when you get to the top of that hill at the cross, just before the crossroads where all the the shops and things are uh, near the Triangle, it's just on the left hand side there, sort of tucked in behind some houses. So you perhaps wouldn't notice it driving past because it is set back a bit from the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I did. I read the article, and I mean, you're right. The, some of the the apartments do look quite spacious, but they are they quite do, quirkily they? shaped rooms. <laughs> but that penthouse just looks lush. The one with the it looks like a lighthouse yeah. almost. Yeah, the top, windows the top floor. all the way around. It looks lovely. It's absolutely it has, terrific. It has, Amazing views of the surrounding area as well. But if you obviously if you buy flat at the bottom, you're not going to see much. But if you live near the top, <laughs> then there are some incredible views. 
So, yeah, it's point a talking two. point, though, isn't it? Imagine yeah. if you had friends around and they pulled up there. Like, oh, my God, you live in this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of it? No, no, just a little bit of it. But still, it's pretty awesome. I hope there's a lift. But it's quite, Ooh, yes. quite tall. Mm. Um, and they got that sofa up to the top. Yeah, uh, it's that. It's the the always um, practical, I, Rachel. Always practical. Oh, there's a there's a friend's pivot moment in there, isn't there? That's yeah, the, pivot. Yes. <laughs> there are some there are some rather rather fine views, but uh, yeah. So one point two five million. Uh, that's on the market at the moment. If you fancy a oh, bit yeah. of that, um, and we reckon, I guess you they're rental flats. I guess aren't they? You'd, you'd be renting the the flats, I presume. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, because of course it's it's not the only former water tower that's been turned into flats. There's the the one on Bath Road, um, the, the, but that's more of a square one um, towards uh, sort of opposite Southcote, um, going into town. And there's that one there. The old, um, the old she, your 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 mum was was quite uh, active. Mum's a yeah, she was yeah. Uh, in in was it protesting or demonstrating for the. For the, it was the reservoir. That's the word I'm looking for. The reservoir, yeah. She reported on it, I think, for quite yeah. a lot of the time. I think, um, it, yeah, it's a bit before my bit before my time in Reading. Uh, yeah, but it was was it? I think people were protesting against it, but it's it's now built and yeah done and been there for ages. Been there for a few years now, certainly. Okay, um, we will let's let's just move on to the second one. This is actually one of a rare occurrence, one of my stories. Um, this was uh, the news that Wadworth had sold off two of its Berkshire pubs. Um, normally, when a brewery sells off its pubs, this is usually really bad news. Um, it usually means that pub is going to get flattened uh, for houses, um, which that's the usual thing. Um, I think it's a, a tale as old as time. Pub gets sold, becomes flats. However, it looks like this isn't going to be the case on this occasion because uh, it's the Fox and Hounds in Thiel, um, voted in 2017 the most dog-friendly pub in the country. Uh, and the bird in hand at Knoll Hill. So both sort of orbiting, to use my favourite word of the moment, orbiting Reading. But um, though it's those two pubs, and they've been sold to a company called the Liberation Group, which owns Buckcombe Brewery down in Bristol. And they are actually a pub company, it would appear, that want to buy pubs with rooms to let. So they're interested in in pubs with with rooms, so that and that's their business. So you have the you have the room, you stay at a, a room in the pub, and um, that's how you make your money. And especially these rural ones, because of course the fox and hounds in Thiel and Knoll Hill, uh, the bird in hand at Knoll Hill. There's not a lot around them, so you're you're sort of you you stay at the pub, you eat at the pub, you drink at the pub, and then obviously off you go to to wherever it is you're going to go. So it does look like good news, and and from the story, all of the staff have been transferred over to the new put the new uh, the new company. So it does look like good news, and I'm, I'm I must admit I'm quite happy about that. I, I I kind of bring this up because it's interesting. Have you been watching um, Tom Kerridge saves Britain's pubs? Or saving Britain's pubs with Tom Kerridge, whichever way around it is. Have either of you guys watched that? It's it's absolutely brilliant. I've it's only been one episode. I think the next episode uh was Thursday night. So uh 
last night, I guess, in terms of when this pub, when this, when this podcast comes out. But it's it's really good. He goes around. He's got four pubs that he's going around and trying to help, not in a Gordon Ramsay shout at them kind of way, but in a in a sort of why don't you try this, try this kind of thing. And he's he's trying to help these pubs survive. And um, one of the stories is, uh, I think it's it's Punch Taverns is one of the one of the landlords of the of this pub or one of the owners of this pub, and the. That he what he discovered was um, part of the problem is with uh, Pubco is that they own the tie to the pub, so you have to buy beer off them. You can't buy it off anywhere else. The the Pubco buys it off the off a brewery, uh, and the, the example was basically that uh, a pub could go to a brewery without if it didn't have a tie, could go to a brewery and buy a barrel for eighty quid. The Pubco buys a barrel from the same brewery for sixty quid, but then charges the pub a hundred pounds for the brewery for the for the barrel. So of course. Um, meaning that the pub earns very little money off the off the actual beer that it sells, and this mm. is part of the problem. So, so this is why kind of pubs being taken over and moved around and stuff can be quite bad news at times. And I'm, but I'm, I'm interested to see because they've got the CEO of this company on the next episode, and I have an absolute feeling I'm going to be completely furious and throwing things at the TV because I'm I'm set up to think that he's. I, I, I feel it's almost scandalous the way that this is going. But I anyway. don't know how you haven't become a landlord at some point in your life. <laughs> it's it's something that I feel is is within me at some point. Mm, I think so too. <laughs> Surely, at some point in your life, you're going to say, "Hello, Dave." Usual. <laughs> Get his tankard out. Yeah. <laughs> Have someone complain to me that I've not used their glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, cool, that's enough about pubs this week. Um, if anybody was interested, I have set up a new Berkshire Pubs group on Facebook. Um, it's called Berkshire Pubs Breweries, Beer Festivals and Pints, and you're very welcome to come and join that. But we do have a really nice story just to finish off our headlines with. Um, it's a story about a guy we've had on the podcast before. It's a guy called Dan Melville, um, and he uh, is a Reading man born without a hand who's been given a real-life Metal Gear Solid bionic arm which is which is really great news um hugh was this one of your stories yes tell us a little bit about it this dan's a really nice bloke i met him he's a smashing chap so this is a uh a, a bionic um about bionic arm based on the latest metal gear solid game uh metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain which actually features the main character who has lost an arm and has a, uh, a bionic arm, a bionic arm himself um which in the game he um it can use to be things like a missile launcher um <laughs> dan dan's uh dan's bionic venom snake arm can't do that which is probably quite fortunate for 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 the world um but um they they're incredible these these um these bionic arms. We've got a video of um, on the story of a story we did before with him, with Daniel, with uh, Dan, um, of him play, using it to play Jenga. Yeah, Jenga being quite a hard game to play with, <laughs> you know, with real hands. <laughs> yes. Um, and so the the technology is just amazing, and it's um it's Konami, which you may have heard of um, as video game producer, which I think. Don't quote me. Made the classic game of our youth, uh, Street Fighter Two. <laughs> yes, and that's where my mind went. Soccer. Yeah, that's where my mind went twenty-five years ago, <laughs> rather than anything modern. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, and they they've teamed up with another com- a, um, a prosthetics expert 
um, to come up with this this design. It's um, it's really cool. It's based. It's a little bit of a gimmick, but it's it's really uh, it's really cool. And Dan is um, very very pleased with it. I can tell you a little bit about Open Bionics, the company that Dan works with, uh, just from our interview before. Um, Dan's an ambassador for that for that company. They're based down in Bristol, and he has been working with them i think since they launched which i think if i if i remember rightly was about around about 2011 but he contacted them on twitter um when they were when they were getting started and said would would they uh, do they want an ambassador or would he could he work with them and that's how he got into his 3d printing because he runs his own 3d printing business as well and they've they've come in to create bionic arms and and this is this has been absolutely fantastic for him uh it's really great to see this story and um, rach I, I think that podcast was before your time but it was 19th of november yeah. if anybody wants to go back and listen to that one it was 19th I of november i met him i think i met him at um one of becky stevens who was yeah. on earlier today Yes. Uh, at one of her Etsy markets that she did at Brewdog. Yes, that's where we Last that's yes, year. that's where we we got to know him. And I think he uh well there was two chaps there that I spoke to, so I'm assuming one of them was him, I can't remember, but he very kindly did a little three D print out of a tiny robot and gave <laughs> to Zachary, which was oh, really wow. nice, just as a little gift. Yeah. So that was really nice. What I'd like to know, though, about because I did read the article, I just I I don't understand how it's controlled. Yeah. Like, what makes the bionic arm move? Does it have kind of sensors that attach to his muscles at the end of his actual arm um, that control the movement, or do you know? I don't and i i think i had that same thought after i'd met dan the first time and interviewed him and i've, I've still not not asked him I, 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 something i would i'd like to know mm. um because it is absolutely fascinating and um just just to just to clarify I, I, I my date was out by quite a long way if you wanted to go and listen to the interview with dan it was actually november 19 2018 not 2019 so it's, it's two years ago we interviewed dan it doesn't seem that long ago but uh, yeah, I, I've, the whole thing is absolutely fascinating, and I'm, I'm really pleased that that he's been able to be a beneficiary of that. Yeah, I wonder um, if that's how we got into the 3D printing, or if that came first, yeah, and that's how the 3D he... the 3D printing came first, and then um, uh, he he said he he practiced his craft using a lot of different 3D printers, and then uh, once he was good enough, once he felt good enough, he was able to sort of take that business. He does a lot of teaching with it as well. Um, I think he's, he's done a bit at Reading Museum and, and, and various different places as well. But and some, but some, some of the pictures kind of, he's sort of almost, uh, I think in the main picture, it, it sort of felt like he's almost sort of dressed up as this, as this game character. Metal Gear Solid isn't a game I'm particularly familiar with, um, but... I, I think it's, it's, it's. Have you? Is it a game you've played, Hugh? No, I know of it, um, yeah. but I, I am no, afraid not. <laughs> oh, we're all dreadful. I noticed that you don't even ask me. <laughs> you just you. I you know what? I'm not a gamer. Right, I don't think yeah, in all the know. years that we've known each other, which is about fourteen. I don't think I've mm -hmm. ever, ever had a conversation with you about computer games. I do apologise. Rach, In my uh, defence, I did play Sonic the Hedgehog at the weekend oh, okay. on the iPad. So okay. that is about as gamey as it, it gets. 
just for just for fairness then rach have you uh, have you played the game uh no no i haven't okay <laughs> if it's sort of beyond um, Paperboy and Boulder Dash on, um... okay. on the Amiga, <laughs> on the Amiga, then it's a bit beyond me, to be honest. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. I'm sure I've got all that fun to come with yes. Zachary when he gets a bit older. So <laughs> I ought to get clued up, I suppose. Um, thanks, guys. That is it for part one. In part two, we will be chatting to food blogger Laura from Bark and Bite. The Big Interview. Hi, everybody. I am here. Uh, I've got Laura Finney on the end of the on the other end of the line. Um, hello, Laura. How are you doing? Hi, Tom. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Not so bad. Not so bad. Now, you run a food review blog called Bark and Bite, which is a rather clever play on words, I think. Um, although someone did point out to me earlier, is it Burke? Because you do get a lot of people saying Berkshire, which is obviously wrong. <laughs> I think you can choose to pronounce it however you like, but um, <laughs> I'm glad that people realise it is linked to Berkshire. <laughs> does it does it sort of depend a little bit on what they think of the writing, perhaps? I don't know. I mean, possibly. I guess it's all open to interpretation <laughs> and your humour. Yes, indeed. So you, you've you've kind of you're relatively new um, blogging about food in in Reading and Berkshire. Um, what what's made you make a start on that? Um, so before I moved to Reading, I lived in Nottingham for eight years, which has a really incredible food scene. And I also worked in hospitality um, for a good chunk of that. And I worked as a, a waitress, a barmaid. I was um, a barista at one point as well. And a lot of my friends were in the hospitality industry. And I spent a lot of time eating out and getting to know the area. And one thing I felt that I'd missed really was converting my knowledge into something that people in the area could use and so I knew when I moved to Reading that I'd spend time getting to know the local food scene and felt that it was probably a really good time to try and bring people along on the journey with me and share some of the knowledge that I have too. So as well as kind of all of those roles it feels like almost every role in the industry that, that you could <laughs> possibly have but so added to those skills you've also got writing as a skill where where does that come in from um so i've spent a lot of time at university so i have um studied for a phd in chemistry so i used to write a lot for that um during my time in uni i also did a stint at the university magazine and wrote some articles for them I also did a short placement in London in the conversation, doing some um, science and health journalism. And so I felt that, I guess I just enjoy writing, although I do much prefer a kind of casual style yeah. as opposed to the, the formal styles <laughs> that I'm basically skilled in, most probably. Yeah. Um, it, it's probably it's probably quite beneficial almost coming as a, in as an outsider because you don't you haven't sort of grown up with these kind of um, assumption assumptions maybe about about places you know like we've all heard of of, of the, the the famous places you know Sweeney and Todd's we uh, and and any number of other really great places you can eat in Reading you've kind of come in with a bit of a blank slate it, you, have you found that helpful? 
Yeah, I think I've just come in with no preconceptions. I, I didn't know Reading at all before I moved here. Um, and I only ended up here really because it's between um, workplaces for myself and the friends that I live with. So, uh, yeah, I was in it entirely fresh to Reading. You know, I didn't have any um, biases against or yeah. for it, to be honest. And I, I wasn't aware of who's been here for a really long time and who's fresh on the scene, which I think yeah. has let me be a little bit more objective in the way that I view things. Um, obviously, the only one that came to mind all of a sudden was, was Sweeney and Todd's for me, um, largely because I really now fancy a pie. Um, but of, of course, there are there are there are hundreds and hundreds of other other restaurants in and around the area that have, that have obviously been around for for a long time. So, where where did you go first when when you arrived? Where where did you where did you look up? Where did you go first? Um, the first place I ever I guess drank at in Reading was Cup. Um, in St. Mary's Butts. So when I came to view some houses, I wanted to find the best coffee immediately. And so um, had my first iced coffee in the roaring heat of an August bank holiday um, (laughs) outside there. Um, But the first place I ate was a Sunday lunch at the Lindhurst, but with the previous owners. And that first visit was meant to appear on Bark and Bite, but unfortunately I was so engrossed in just eating the food that I completely forgot to get any photographs. (laughs) So um, the Lindhurst still hasn't been reviewed. But it's it's high on the list, I presume. Yeah, so I have been a couple of times. I think this is... um, something I found with the blog as well is that I have been to quite a few places that I've just never written about for various reasons. Um, some of which are just, I feel the time hasn't come to push them out yet, or I've felt that I just don't fancy reviewing it. And I've been to the Lindhurst a couple of times, obviously it's changed hands. So I felt like I had to go and visit it again. Um, but there is a, there is a draft in the Lindhurst that coming at some point. <laughs> Um, and, and where do you kind of sit on sort of independence and, and kind of chains and that sort of thing? So I think it's really important to support as many local businesses and independent places as possible. Um, but there are some fantastic chains out there as well. So I don't really sit in a kind of for or against either yeah. of them. I think it's really important to you know pump money into the local economy and to kind of vote with your feet in that respect. Um, and obviously it's really great when you spend money with an independent, you really, you know, you get a personal touch in the service, you know, that you're putting money into somebody's pocket and that means a lot. And often you see that in the faces of the owners as soon as you, as soon as you spend that cash. Um, but I recognize as well that sometimes independents aren't the most cheap places to shop or to eat at. And that's not an option for a lot of people. You know, there are there are attractive deals and things in the chains which draw people in for, for various reasons. And sometimes it's because people like to eat out, but they can't afford to pay full price. And I think that's absolutely fine too. I'm from quite a, a working class background and, you know, Northwest rural Wales, which doesn't have the highest um, average income. And I know that a lot of the chains are really popular up there for that reason. I think you've got to work with what you can afford in your own circumstances. 
Yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're talking to the guy who who enjoys supporting as many local businesses as as he can, but also reviewed the McDonald's drive-through during the uh, when it reopened after the first lockdown. So I'm kind of I'm kind of right there with you on that. Um, and, and you know, got an awful lot of flack for doing for reviewing the uh, McDonald's drive-through, but you know and an absolute ton of people read it which is either testament to the fact that people really like mcdonald's or my writing and i suspect it's the uh, i suspect it's the first um in terms of i guess kind of compar comparisons in where where do you think reading sits in terms of quality of food and opportunities within within the country oh right okay um <laughs> reading's a really fantastic place i think it's not on the radar particularly um, but I think there's some really fantastic restaurants here. Reading certainly has, you know, my some of my favourites in the country, if you like. So people will hear me talk about my favourite favourite tapas restaurant in the whole country is in Nottingham. But um, I'm going to expose my next um, review now. But I've certainly found my favourite Chinese in Reading, for example. Right. Um, I think we're really blessed with loads of fantastic independent restaurants that are just as good as everywhere else in the country. Yeah. And that can compete with places like London as well. Sometimes I think Reading suffers a little from being so close to London um, and people don't really appreciate what's here. I know that when I told um, some colleagues that I was moving to Reading initially, they were kind of like, why are you going there? <laughs> but now I, now I love that I can say, you know, it's actually a really fantastic place yeah. to be. And it does have a vibrant food scene, which for the size of Reading is fantastic. It's, yeah, it's, it's I definitely quite, think the quality is up there with the best. It, it it is quite incredible, isn't it? I, I have the same. I'm 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 very much a, a local beer man, and and I f I feel the same with with some of the beer. I think I think Berkshire, especially as a whole, has some of the some of the best beer brewed in this county in the country. You know, it's it's competing right up there with you, like with Bristol and with Manchester in terms of the quality of stuff that's being turned out and and it is testament it's a small place it's a place that people probably wouldn't look twice at necessarily but it, it is incredibly incredibly vibrant and um, i wanted to ask you sort of about some of your favorite places some of your favorite um maybe, maybe favorite dishes but if, if you kind of had if, if you had a choice to to you've, you've got a you've got a big night out where would you choose to go to where would you take people to impress them oh that's quite a difficult one <laughs> i think most recently, I've decided that um, the next time my parents come, for example, I yeah. would like to take them to Kung Fu Kitchen. Now, Kung Fu Kitchen has a cult following in Reading anyway. I guess it needs no introduction. Um, and everybody loves the aubergines, which I'm not going to argue with because they are fantastic. <laughs> but my favourite dish there, um, and one I can't stop thinking about at the moment, is the chilli squid tentacles. Wow. Which... I know, it's maybe a bit left field, but I love seafood, and it's incredibly tender, you know, it's got great crunchy batter, it's spicy, and um, I don't think I've ever seen a dish like it in, in any other restaurant, so that's great. Um, and I have been known to bring friends to um, the Fox and Hounds as well, which is one yeah. of my favourite pubs in Reading. 
Oh, it's it's fantastic, isn't it? The, the the range of food there at the moment is um is 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 just ridiculous. It's 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 terrific. Um, what what if I, I guess what if you were if you were someone if you, if you were going if you were in Reading you were kind of on a work trip and you were sort of by yourself perhaps where might you go just for some real comfort just to I'm on my own I'm going to just sit I'm going to eat my body weight in food where where would you go for a bit of comfort? I used we used to always go to the Black Boy for the for the barbecue ribs. They were fantastic. Oh, they sound great. I think I've, it, I, I think, think it's probably changed oh, hands sorry. now. It's probably changed hands now, so it may not be the same. It's been a long time. This is back when I had disposable income. Um, <laughs> oh, they were great. I think I'd probably go to Papa G. Yeah. Yeah, I love Papa G. I think first of all, the pizza's fantastic, but it's such a tiny cozy restaurant that essentially feels like you know papa g's living room and i love the fact that papa g himself makes the pizzas so i think <laughs> that would be my choice um and I, and I guess i kind of then just just to sort of i guess i suppose round things off in in a kind of way that i suppose saturday kitchen sort of does with the um with like the, the the sort of the the recommended beers and wines and stuff to have with the food what would you what would you be drinking on these occasions so if I went to Kung Fu Kitchen, I think I'd just have a classic Chinese beer. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's much else that, you know, goes better with Chinese. Although I think if there was a, a double-barreled beer on offer, I'd probably go for that <laughs> instead. Maybe Joe wouldn't appreciate that as much, but they are fantastic beers. Yeah. Um, and if I was going to Papa G. I'd probably just have a glass of crisp white wine, to be honest. Um, I'm probably quite basic in that I really yeah. love a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, and I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> so um, I think I'd go for that. Laura, that's fantastic. Where can people find you on social media and your blog? So you can find me on social media at, at Bark and Bite on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can find the blog itself on my new website which is www.barkandbite.co.uk and and when is this new review coming out hopefully tomorrow i do i work full-time alongside yeah. my blog it's very much a hobby so um i don't typically have a regular schedule yeah. um, rightly or wrongly for my blogs so um after a final edit hopefully that'll be with everybody tomorrow laura thank you ever so much no problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. The Big Interview That was our interview with Laura from Bark and Bite. Uh, really interesting stuff. Um, uh, asking about... Uh, oh, sorry, that's my phone going off. Apologies. Uh, stop that that's not happened before um but it was really uh yeah it was really good to talk to her uh, and and find out a bit more about the, her background and and you know why on earth you would launch a why why on earth you would launch a food blog um shall we move on to the round Ooh, question this can week? i do a little food related shout out you can if yes subject what is it what is it oh well yeah. It is, it is local and relevant. All right, then. All right. I think I know what it's All about. All right. It's Berkshire, so okay, it's, it's local enough. Yeah. So it was just that um wanted to mention a, 
a friend of mine is involved in a company called um, Deerbox.co.uk. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning it is because uh, he very kindly, oh, hang on, just disclaimer, this is probably not one for the vegetarians and vegans, but he very kindly sent me a box of their finest um, venison, a variety of different cups. And I'm not particularly au fait with cooking or eating venison. Um, I've perhaps had it in a restaurant once or twice before, but, but certainly not something I've cooked with at home. Um, and it's a, a business that he's set up with a, a a chef called Mike Robinson, who has got um, mm -hmm. a few restaurants around the country. I think the Pot Kiln is the, the local one, um, which is out sort of along the A4 towards Newbury, I think. Uh, but it was just, it was very, very delicious. And it, apparently it's very good for you, is venison. Who knew? because it's very low in fat and things but it was yeah i am not renowned for cooking steak at home because i generally will either cremate it or serve it up raw by accident yeah. um but i managed to cook this perfectly it was the best steak i've ever eaten so if you um if you are inclined to try some delicious venison go and have a look at deer box and um I don't think you'll get better than that, to be honest. Fantastic. Yeah. Hugh, you're quite tempted, aren't you? I am certainly very tempted, yeah. I did bleat on about it a bit, how good <laughs> it was, which probably helped. <laughs> I like a bit of venison. It's uh, it's not ch cheap. Some might say it's a bit dear. <laughs> but it's probably really worth it. Um, As a special like, yeah. treat. As yeah. a special treat, yeah. Yeah, it, it was good. So definitely I would recommend, and it's a local business, so, you know, we like to support local independence, hence my shout-out. Fair enough. Shall we move on to the random question? The random question. Okay, here's the random question. Uh, your fantasy Christmas light switch on lineup. Um, I thought very hard about this question this week. Um, I've decided that um, bugger it, we're starting Christmas. It's been a rubbish <laughs> year. We're getting on with Christmas. I'm not normally. I'm normally one for December is Christmas and that's it. But you know, who cares? This year, let's just go Christmas. Let's get let's get on with it. So um, I th I'm, I'm sort of. We'll have a minimum of two. Who would you like to switch on at the Oracle, and who would you want to switch on at the Broad Street Mall? Those are my those are my thoughts at the moment. Um, so, oh, gosh. have you have you had a chance to have a think? Well, it's got to be a local local oh, figure, local, local celebrity. Local, yeah, I think I think we need Reading Reading celebs. Um, yeah. I mean, how big can we go here? I mean, for the Oracle, you'd, you'd want someone fairly prominent, don't you? Like, I don't know, Ricky Gervais, maybe? <laughs> Gervais. Or so maybe you, him back from LA or wherever he is. You'd, <laughs> want, you'd want Gervais. You'd want Gervais, but you could probably get Whittle. <laughs> oh, back to Ricky Whittle. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's a fantasy christmas yes. light switch yeah. on so i can have whoever i like you can indeed I? you can That's indeed so i think i'd go for him as the the big one 
Um, and then Broad Street Mall. Hmm. Should have referred back to my. Uh, we did a podcast, didn't we, a while ago about local Reading celebs? Yes. Um, One Hugh, who would you choose? Unless it's a fantasy, we love people who are no longer with us. Yes. <laughs> see, he's really pushing the boundaries. Yeah. I'd like to see the late great Robin Friday turn on the uh, Christmas lights in Reading because oh, that would yeah, that one. would certainly. We are assuming, of course, that in this fantasy world as well, COVID doesn't exist. Yes. COVID isn't a thing. We've got a massive crowd of people and a big party going on. So, yeah, yeah Robin Friday would be the ultimate party man to... Uh, to what uh, I know of Robin Friday, words. though, you'd need like a three-hour window. Well, he'll be here between roughly yeah, six true, and yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, the lights will be turned on at some point this evening. <laughs> <would be. laughs> when he's finished in the crown on the bridge, he'll be... Maybe, he'll be yeah. Along. Yeah, brackets maybe. Have you um, read the book that book about him? I'm have I read that have. book about him? Yeah. Oh yes, the bit with yeah, the bit which good. I can't talk about, but involved Mark Lawrence and his kit bag. Marvelous. <laughs> I, think I remember that bit. <laughs> it's a good book. And the, the manager, the manager's constant befuddlement as the game's about to start, and uh, his star strike is still in the pub across the road. <laughs> the good old days. The good old days. Go on then, Tom. Your turn. Um. So, so my one, my one's kind of. I've, I've. Got, so for the, uh, for, the uh, Oracle. Uh, I'm harking back to a podcast we did on second of August, 2019, um, which some of you may remember was all about a uh, chap who was representing Reading whilst doing various adventures around the world. I would be going for Ernest Shackleton. <laughs> to, oh, uh, to come and turn on Palmer's biscuits. Yeah, he did. He he had. I think he had cock sauce, and there was a material as well he liked as well. Uh, but there were, I can't and remember. Burberry, probably. Uh, was it? It was a Reading-based material that um, that he oh, that he. I I have to, I haven't re-listened to the podcast. I'd have to go back and listen to it. But he had. I think he liked his cock sauce, and he liked his his um, <laughs> he liked his uh, as you say his. Um, Huntley and Palmer biscuits. So I'd uh, it, like it, it, you, your early influencer. You sort of he'd, he'd be he'd be on Instagram now. He'd be he'd be kind of out there with the hashtag ad um, with a with a box of Huntley and Palmer's biscuits and stuff like that. So um, I'd have I'd have him on there for that. And then um, just I, I don't know. I, I kind of I was str I'm struggling for the for the Broad Street Mall one. But then I, I've I've been going through our old podcast and there's a really good one about we talked about swans for a bit. So I'd just like to have someone dressed up in a big swan outfit, turning on the lights. Oh, um, okay. Well, in, indeed. Um, my my second thought was um, Grace Gomez, who runs the New Beginnings charity out of. Uh, the pub by the cattle market car park i interviewed her last christmas and she was absolutely brilliant and i think i'd love to see her turn on the lights as well if we couldn't get the swan costume then i'd, I'd go for grace as my uh, <laughs> oh. I, she'd understand she'd understand playing second fiddle to to the swan I, I think. She what was, if grace dressed up as a swan would that be um, yeah fine the fine. Ultimate? fine it's two worlds collide i'd be all for that can i throw <laughs> another name in for for my broad street i've just thought of i think that'll be marvelous the legendary Sonning Spoonbender himself, Yuri Geller. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if we invited, uh, can we count like Paul Daniels in there as well? Because he was only Wargrave, wasn't he? Oh, was, yeah. No, not Wargrave, um, Shiplake. I mean. No, Wargrave. Was it? 
Vincent's um, house. Oh, have you? The fridge. Name dropper. Yeah. While well, he was short, there, short or did you just break in? He was there. Yeah, I was actually oh. there to see. I was actually there to see Debbie. Um, the lovely, he lovely on, Debbie McGee. The lovely Debbie McGee, but he kept on sticking his head around the door and making little jokes like, the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, we'll try to conduct a serious interview about what's in your fridge. Would you be, would you be quiet? <laughs> Well, I reckon between Yuri Geller and uh, Paul Daniels, they could do some sort of show. It would oh, the, be the bants would be the bants would be like, spoon bending like what's, magic. What's, what's in your fridge is a uh, feature we should bring to the podcast. Debbie McGee had uh, the only thing I can it was very it was very healthy, full of organic veg, but also she kept her perfume in the fridge. Oh, oh, that's random. Yeah. But obviously, she, she told us but if she listened out and she before you got there, she didn't want you to go in and just find loads of dairy milk and coke. Did <laughs> oh, that's true. congealing, congealing things which used to be vegetables. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of leftover dinner from last week and a Tupperware and stuff. <laughs> quick, are you oh, saying, put it in the garage? Quick, are you saying that National Treasure Debbie McGee doctored what was in her fridge because the journalist <laughs> was going to look at it? No. I did meet her once when we went up. Um, with the choir we went and sang up at um, Caversham Park opposite where Radio Berkshire was recorded and we went on her show and it was really early and on a Sunday morning and she just came out to interview the choir leader looking perfect and we thought she just, she just looked like the sort of person that like lays down, sleeps completely flat on their back without moving at all, stands up and is ready for the day looking pristine but she yeah she was nice <laughs> she's nice very well turned out for early on a sunday morning shall we call it a day <laughs> yes <Yeah>, sorry <laughs> <laughs> you just stopped talking and you caught me off guard there oh, uh, so <laughs> i didn't have any more debbie anecdotes sorry Fine. um okay well if you've enjoyed this week's podcast and you want to get in touch here is jeremy with how you can Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod. And join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. That is quite enough for this week. We'll be back next week with much more. Um, feel free to get in touch with us and let us know who we should be interviewing. If you have anybody we should be speaking to, we'd love that as well. Um, if you have a moment, please give us a rating on your podcast app. And if you have time, submit a review. We'll be back next week for more Reddingy podcast goodness. Bye. 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 You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.